Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Sabata here is the author of All My Rage, a novel. Sabah is the number one New York Times bestselling author of the Ember and the Ashes series, which has been translated into over 35 languages. She grew up in California's Mojave Desert at her family's 18-room motel. There, she spent her time devouring fantasy novels, raiding her brother's comic book stash, and playing guitar, badly. She began writing books while working nights as a newspaper editor. She likes thunderous indie rock, garish socks, and all things nerd. Welcome, Saba. Thank you so much for coming on Moms, back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss All My Rage, a novel. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Fabulous title, by the way. This is great. Uh, it's like a nice thing just to leave, leave on someone's bedside or something, just to like gently right? shake said or <laughs> like a like a subtweet yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in book title form <laughs> totally i love it <laughs> well we last spoke about your ember in the ashes series when we did a live event and since then you haven't just written this this is a labor of love that's taken you a long time tell listeners about all my rage and the journey to getting it out into the world and congratulations now that it's now that you're doing live events and all the good things so Thank you. So All My Rage started many years ago. You know, it took me about 15 years to write, but 
you know, if I was thinking about this the other day and doing math and actually started writing it more than 15 years ago. And it began right after college. I I wanted to write, but not, you know, I didn't think it would could be a real job. And I was just sort of doing it because I'd always written, I'd always told stories. And my parents had this motel that I had grown up at and they had recently sold it. And it was it was very weird for me because I didn't get a chance to like go say goodbye to it or have any closure. And it was such a formative part of my childhood experience that I started thinking about it all the time. And then I started writing about it. And initially, I started writing about the tenants at the motel, all these different people who would come through, and all the you know beautiful and awful things that they might do. And then it, I ended up shifting to the people who ran the motel. And that's where Miss Bo, the character of Miss Bo, was really created. It was so long ago that I, it's crazy to me that she's stuck with the, the, the book for so long because that's not always the case. Sometimes you create characters and they sort of wander off the page and never come back. So with Miss Bo, you know, she stayed. And then slowly over time, I began to find these other characters who people to her world. And that's really how the book started. And then, you know, I would write it when I was angry. I would call it my anger book, which, you know, from the title, I'm sure you could tell. And I was frustrated with the world. When I'd have a terrible experience, I would just, I would turn to that book and I would sort of pour myself into it because I didn't owe that book to anyone. Mm -hmm. No one was expecting it. You know, no one knew about it. It was sort of this safe place for me to get out what I was feeling. And then eventually in like 2017, 2018, I started seeing it come together as an actual full story. And that's when, you know, the story as it is now, that's really when it came together. Wow. Oh my gosh. So the scenes, like some of the scenes were just so visual, vivid. I mean, I know this is how you write anyway, but really like heartstring tugging emotional scenes, particularly the one at the hospital where every, you know, I, I'm really bad with names, so I'm going to forget all the names of the characters. So oh, that's Sal, okay. I'm sorry. This is my biggest flaw is like a podcast or whatever. But anyway, so Sal is there. His mom is admitted. He's biked there or ran there. Sorry, he wasn't going to bike and then he ran there or whatever. And he has to deal with his father who then slaps him accidentally, we don't know, in front of this policeman. And I hope, I mean, it's so early on, I'm not giving anything away, but, and how he has to sort of choose, do I stay with my mom? But now I have to get my dad home. And like, you could just feel this sense of being so stuck and like, they're not being a right choice. And they're, it just felt so overwhelming and the sense of desperation and just this predicament. I mean, it just felt, anyway, I, I happened to, I like loved I loved the pain of that moment. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, I think it's reflective of what happens to many teenagers. I think as adults, we really do like to think that we protect and shelter our children and that they're okay and they're safe and they're fine. But there are so many who are not and they don't have that protection. And then they have to make these very adult decisions when they're not prepared to. And there's bound to be fallout from stuff like that because they don't have the life experience to really make a good, uh, you know, and safe decision, right? I think a lot, as I was writing, I thought a lot about, you know, how much I didn't want these kids to make certain decisions. <laughs> and I was like, no, don't do it. <laughs> but I also realized that, you know, in that situation, I would probably make the same choice that they did. And it's not a good choice. And then mm. I would probably have to deal with the consequences of that. And so there's a lot of those moments in the book where, you know, these kids are really faced with no good choice 
there's, there's just, there's no way to make what they're dealing with any easier or lighter, but they, they find their way through. And that's really ultimately what the book is about. It's about hope and what happens on the other side of bad decisions and on the other side of grief, right. And on the other side of sadness, like that's really what, what the story is about. Oh, do you feel hopeful? (laughs) Like, do you feel hopeful? I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's funny because Amongst my family and friends, I'm sometimes known as the little rain cloud because I will be, I'm the one who's like, no, everything's going to go wrong. (laughs) But for some reason, I think that's like a defense mechanism. And I actually think that deep, deep down, I am hopeful. I think you have to be hopeful to write a book for so many years as I wrote both Ember and All My Rage. Something inside you has to think maybe one day right? Like some part of you has to believe. And so it might be hope that's really deeply buried, but it's definitely there. Is there, when you kept coming back to the book over time, was there one part of it that you remember writing when you were at your most sort of raw rage moment yourself that you wrote that's now in the book for all to see? Like, what was that? Like, is there, which scene was that? Or many scenes. Yeah, so pick one. <laughs> there, there are a few. There are quite a few, but the one that stands out to me, actually, I was probably angriest I've ever been, and it was chapter forty, and it is a scene where, and it's actually a very quiet scene, which is what's sort of interesting about how it translated into into writing. I wrote that years ago. I'm talking like very beginning of this journey, and it's this scene where Salahuddin is really contemplating sort of the beginnings of his friendship with Noor and how he and Noor like met and sort of what she's meant to him and what he's meant to her over the years. And it's not meant to be this really loud, like angry, you know, chapter, but it is meant to reflect reality, just hitting this kid like a meteor when he realizes that the choices he's made has had this awful effect on somebody who he loves. And that's something that, you know, I wrote, I remember writing when I was really, really upset about something and I was so happy I got to keep it in the book. I actually built a lot of the book knowing that like, I want that scene in there. It's an important scene. It's an important realization. How do I make that happen? Wow. I love their whole dynamic. I mean, from the first... I just really wanted them to get to back together. I was like, these people yeah. have got to get back together. Like, how long are they going to stay apart? Like, there's too much. I mean, and even just the feeling of like, oh, I just can't even go to school today because this person, like, I'd kind of forgotten that whole stage of life. Yep. Like, seeing, like having your uh, homeroom or your your English class have like somebody you're having this like intense thing with, whether you broke up or you're together, yeah. you have a crush or whatever. And like, how are you supposed to also focus on the book or whatever you're supposed to be doing? Oh my gosh. No, it's, it's really true. like a miracle. It's, Anyone graduates from high school with like all the hormones and all the relationships. <laughs> it is such a miracle. And I mean, I think that it was hard for me because I wanted, you know, I wanted to give them like this happily ever after, right? Like right. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to bring them back to each other. But I also kept thinking, you know, what makes relationships really strong. And I think that it is realizing that you can weather difficult things, Mm -hmm. right? Friendships in particular, like I think about a lot of my, my oldest friendships and we've absolutely had fights. We've absolutely not spoken to each other for, you know, a few weeks, you know, or a few months even, but somehow we find our way back to each other. Mm -hmm. And there's a level of sort of depth that 
that the friendship then has almost like seasoning. It's like a cast iron pan. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I love it. <laughs> Everything you go through is like, you know, a little bit of oil and then you season it, you cook it or whatever. And, and you know, you're, you're, you become more nonstick. <laughs> so, so but with, a, I, with um, a cast iron pan, you have to let it sit afterwards too, because it smolders. And so you can't like quickly wash it and have it all go away. Like the cast iron, like you've got to sit and wait. <laughs> You got to be patient. You have to be patient. patient. And it is, it is really the same with friendship, right? Like, like, like Salahuddin had to learn that, you know, maybe he doesn't deserve forgiveness. Maybe that's not a choice he gets to make for somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's an important thing that I had to learn as a kid, you know, that I don't get to decide if somebody forgives me or not. That's between them and, you know, himself basically and then hopefully I'll be the recipient of that forgiveness but if not that is not my choice and I can't change it and that's a hard lesson to learn can you share any of the reality behind some of the angry moments sure so Jamie who is a character that Noor is dealing with Jamie is this you know popular very very intelligent girl who is a little racist and <laughs> doesn't really realize it sort of thinks that she's, you know, an equal opportunity and, you know, very woke, but she's not, and she doesn't know it. And there's a moment with her where Noor's green card falls out of her purse. And it happens to be Noor's old green card, because as a lot of immigrants will know, like you kind of keep all your green cards, like you don't just like throw one away. And it used to be that you didn't have to return one before you got a new one. You could keep the old one and they just like put a punch in it so that it wasn't valid. And so Noor has her old one so she can have her number on her because her uncle keeps her like current green card. And Jamie sees it and is like, oh my God, your green card is expired. You know, you're here illegally. And I remember something like that happening to me where, and it wasn't, you know, they didn't see my green card, but they were questioning whether I had one or not and had said that, you know, I was probably here illegally. And I just remember like, the scorn that this person had for me, you know, and I, I kept thinking, and I think about now, you know, sort of what's happening in the world and the state of the world and the number of refugees in the world. And my family was not a refugee family, you know, but we came to America because my, my father was looking for a job here. But I, I just keep thinking, I, I just kept thinking as I was writing, like, there are people who really don't have any empathy Mm -hmm. They just don't, they just, they don't, they cannot put themselves in other people's shoes. They just don't know how to do it. And I think Jamie is one of those people. And so I wanted to sort of throw a bunch of my kind of childhood and high school villains into this one Uber monster, <laughs> you know, and, and the thing about Jamie, right, is that she's very quietly awful. She's not, mm -hmm. I mean, she becomes louder as the book goes on, but when you first meet her, you're not thinking like, oh, she's so horrible. Mm -hmm. You're thinking, oh, she's a little competitive and she probably wants to know more about this girl who she's so competitive with and, and like where she's going to college. But as time goes on, you realize it's a power thing. She believes she deserves to know what's happening in Noor's life. She deserves to be better than Noor. And that's based on her sense of superiority. That's something I think that a lot of us have dealt with. Definitely, if you're a woman, you've dealt with it, you know. But just in general, I think a lot of us have all seen that person who thinks they're better and make sure that you know it. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, grown-ups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery. Perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Have you seen the movie Bad Moms? No, this is like... I saw it a long time ago, but I don't remember it. Okay, so Christina Applegate plays like the mean mom who is just terrible at every turn. And at first you think, maybe she's going to be okay. She's like the head of the PA, but it's always like, you know... And then at the end of the movie, she ends up breaking down and you see why. But Mm -hmm. you don't always get that scene with people, right? You only see... You don't get to crack the surface and find out that like, oh, the reason this person is like this is because this horrific thing has happened to them or this inherited trauma or nothing makes it better. But like, it would be so much more helpful if we could see like, oh, this person has no empathy because, you know, well, sometimes I feel like some people are just unfortunately born with that. I know some people like that. It's like very frustrating. Yeah. But there's often a reason for being really mean all the time Mm -hmm. and that need for superiority and... I don't know. I think the world would be a better place if we could like crack in and be like, aha, like that happened to you. There it is. Take the hate and like, let's turn that around. Anyway, this is sounding much hokier than when I started talking about this. No, no, I feel you. And the thing is, is, you know, as a kid, I actually, I wanted that. I Mm -hmm. wanted to know like, why are you so awful? Yeah. And I never got that answer for a lot of these kids. I never got the answer. I would meet their parents. Their parents would be perfectly nice people. Mm -hmm. They seemed to have everything. There had to have been some root reason, I would think, right? But I never found it. And so I wanted to also in the book kind of, you know, reflect that, that, you know, these kids don't always find a reason for why their tormentors are so horrible. Yeah. 
It's true. I recently, I had someone be really mean to me at at a summer camp once, like when I was eight Mm -hmm. and I kind of haven't like never got over it. It was like so weird because I didn't know people could be mean like that, that mean. Yes. Anyway, Mm -hmm. this person recently came back into my life tangentially on an email. And I said to her, like, by the way, you probably don't remember because we were eight, but like you did all these things that were really, really hurtful. Anyway, she wrote back and said she was sorry. And she was going through a lot at that time too. But yeah. It's usually the case, right? Like it's usually the case, like someone's going through something, they're experiencing something and we just have no idea. And it's why, but I mean, I think that's why like I'll tell my kids and I myself will try to, you know, if I feel myself getting heated with somebody else, I try to be like, okay, what might they be going through? Right. Like what might their day be like, right? Like maybe they're going through something and you're really just making it worse. Like do you want to be the person who like put the straw that broke the camel? Like, do you want to be that guy? You know, yeah. so or do you want to be someone who makes their day better? Yeah. You know, and who makes it makes the world a little better for them or makes the day a little less worse, totally. right? Yes. So so it is something you have to learn over time. I mean, it took me 40 years to learn that lesson. <laughs> so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> 45. So yeah, I was trying to teach this to my kids last night, actually, because one of them was really angry about something, and the other one like went over to like make them feel better, and it didn't work at all because and so anyway, I was trying to explain it after. I was like, listen, like your sibling was so upset that they're like, you know, a teapot with like steam or smoke coming out, right? You just got in the way of the smoke. Like it didn't matter who was going to come in the way. Like you were going to get smoke in your face, you know? So sometimes when you see people exploding, just stay with, you know, nothing good can come of it, right? So anyway, yeah, I don't know. It worked enough that they fell asleep. So whatever, that's all I can (laughs) (laughs) do. It's good. I have I have a two preteens, so it's good to know that I have a lot to look forward to. <laughs> oh, I have older kids too, but as you know, but yeah, I don't know. We just do our best, right? But I think yes, you know do. the more this narrative of compassion, even for the most mean people. I mean, it can't hurt. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but I'm sorry that happened to you, and <laughs> that's okay. You know, I'm glad you could. I've definitely had my revenge. Expunge, expunge some of the memories <laughs> in this in this form. Seems like a a giant, you know, therapeutic, you know, case to throw that stuff in and then you know <laughs> throw absolutely. Out that is what it was. It was. Total therapy. So, what are you working on now? You said there won't be another one for a while. So, I'm working on the All My Rage script. Uh, the screenplay for the TV show, which is very exciting. It is uh, been optioned by Picture Start. And so uh, me and my co-writer are working on that right now. And then I have a short story that I'm working on about a very angry fairy who lives in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And that's almost done. And then I have a big project. I can't share anything about it other than that it's a fantasy. It involves, there are three main character, main points of view. One is a very angry, you know, prisoner. One is a philosophical sort of warrior prince. And the other one is a kind of sardonic tracker type. And it's been so fun to work on. The thing about writing contemporary, right, is that you can't solve your problems with magic (laughs) 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 or dragons or like anything or like a battle scene. So I'm really enjoying being able to kind of be like, Ooh, battle scene here. (laughs) It makes it, it makes it really fun to write. Oh my gosh. I love that. Do your kids read your books? 
They are a little young. They're 12 and 10. And just their reading level is a little young too. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually think that if my 12-year-old was reading more you know, more YA, maybe he would be able to to read it because he can he can handle pretty mature topics. Mm-hmm. But he's super into like Percy Jackson and mm-hmm. Rick Riordan and Roshni Chokshi series. And he loves Skullduggery Pleasant. So we're just, we're like a year away, I think. And then we'll see. And he might just, and I've told him a million times, probably because I'm really insecure about it. I'm like, if you don't like it, you can put it down. It's okay. My feelings won't be hurt. And he's like, your feelings will totally be hurt. And I'm not going <laughs> to put it down. I'm going to read the whole thing. <laughs> You know, I just well. I just got the galleys recently for my memoir coming out, and I was like sure my kids would care. And no, I'm like my daughter, who's like I'm so close to, and she's almost 15. I'm like, did you did you start reading the book? And she's like, it was great. I skimmed it. I was like, you did not. <laughs> like you did not. Yeah, there's like, no no mercy, man. No, oh no mercy my gosh, kids. no, it's crazy. <laughs> it's really really thankless, this whole writing thing. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. What advice would you have for aspiring authors? You know, my advice is there's two things I like to tell authors. The first thing is if you are trying to write and you're struggling, just start. Get anything on the page. Even if it seems like garbage to you, it can always be edited. I always say like so much of writing is editing. I'd say 90% of writing for me is editing. I throw Mm -hmm. a really hideous, embarrassing draft onto a page Don't let anyone see it. And then I go back and I I make it better. But I can't do anything if I have an empty page. I can't edit if I have an empty page. So just start. Just get something on the page. The second thing I'd say is I feel like there's this... I don't know what you'd call it. Not a movement, but there's this sort of thing where people are like, I've done... you know, This was my word count for today. And you know, I'm on chapter blah. And I finished edits. Like It's very sort of action-oriented writing, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that we need to dream a little bit more. We need to let ourselves kind of, you know, go back to what we love about writing and those original sort of storytelling of like kind of, you know, staring off into space and imagining a world or imagining a character. I think that that's really the most beautiful part of writing is the dreaming, you know? And so my mother said this one time, and I'm just going to say it to, to other people, which is, you know, half of writing is dreaming. So let yourself dream just a little bit more. It brings the joy back to writing if you're, if you're struggling as a writer. Yeah. And patience, because sometimes the story takes 15 years. <laughs> you never know. You never know. So somebody today, and can't even do the math quick enough, 15 years from 2022, what, 37, 2037, your book is coming out. So get ready. <laughs> Yep, 2037, your book is coming out. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, well, that'll, that'll be something fun to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming back on. Congratulations. I'm really excited for you to have such a, you know, personally based, cathartic, and also thank beautiful you. situation in this book. And I'm really excited for you. So congrats. Thank you so much to me. It was a pleasure as always. Okay, you too. All right, have a great All day. Right, take care. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.